Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. We're looking this morning at missions, the very first missionaries. You say, why are we looking back 2,000 years at the very first missionaries? Because they are the model. Uh, They set the example of how missions are to be done and why missions are to be done. But missions, we we didn't come up with the idea of ourselves as individual Christians or as a church body. Missions are commanded of God. In fact, our theme this year... Go ye into all the world, and it's on the screen behind me, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know, a lot of churches do a lot of different things. And sadly, in this day and age, a lot of them lose sight of the fact that the main reason we exist is to spread the gospel. And we exist to do that because the Bible commands it as it does there in Mark chapter 16, verse number 15. And I want us to consider two thoughts in light of that verse. Read them behind me on the screen. It says, Today Christian religions are practiced by 2.2 billion people all around the world. That represents over 30% of the world's population, making it the world's most followed religion. But rewind 2,000 years ago. And Christianity was a tiny religious sect. From an ideological perspective, researchers often found themselves asking, how did Christianity become so successful? And I think an obvious answer is being obedient to the Great Commission. Again, what does it say? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And every Christian that understands that and seeks to um, carry that out in their lives, that Christian is living in obedience to God's will. But any Christian that is unaware of or is aware of but does not enthusiastically embrace the idea of evangelism and missions is a Christian that very honestly is out of God's will. Fulfilling the Great Commission, really, there's two parts to it. One is individual evangelism, where you and I are witnesses to our family, to our friends, to our neighbors, to co-workers, to people that we might just have providential encounters with. We are to share the gospel with them. That's one aspect of the Great Commission. The second aspect of the Great Commission is missions. And that's getting the gospel literally around the world. Making sure there's a gospel witness in Japan, in Australia, in, in, in every country that you can think of. And every Christian and every church is commissioned with the task of not only personal evangelism, but we're to be instrumental in getting the gospel around the world. Now, what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news. 
the good news that Jesus came to save sinners. That we're all sinners. And if we die in our sins, we will spend eternity separated from God in a horrible place called hell without ever any hope of escape. But God loved us, and even though sin separated us from him, he sent his son. And his son died in our place, in our stead, for our sins, so that we would not have to take the punishment. He took the punishment. And that punishment is applied to us when simply we believe. When simply we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. And that's the good news. That's the gospel. That's to be shared around the world. Because without the gospel, people will die and will spend eternity in hell. And it's God's plan that we, His children, we Christians, it's His plan that we get that gospel out. He could have used angels. He could have used meteorites. He could have spelled it out in the sky. That's not his plan. That's not his will. His will is for you and I to be personally involved in both personal evangelism and missions. And it would be, think about it, the ultimate cruel act to not be involved in either evangelism or missions. It would be the ultimate cruel act to know the good news and yet not share the good news. We're to share it through personal evangelism. We're to share it through missions. And missions, of course, then (coughs) means... Missions means that we're to share the gospel around the world. And Mark chapter 16 (coughs) says that explicitly. And that commission is also repeated by Jesus in the book of Acts in chapter 1, verse number 8. He says it again for emphasis. And ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem... That's a local area. And in Judea, that's the country in Samaria. And unto the uttermost part of the world. That was the command that Jesus gave to the first church in Jerusalem. And we saw that command being obeyed. The gospel spread like wildfire through Jerusalem uh, after Pentecost. And shortly after that, it began to spread into the countryside as people were persecuted and fled into the countryside and shared the gospel. But come to Acts chapter 13. And Acts chapter 13 is very interesting when we talk about getting the gospel to the world. Because for the first time, we see in an organized way the beginning of the fulfillment of the part of the Great Commission that says to the uttermost parts of the world. We see that played out for the very first time in Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. Let's read them. This is a fantastic biblical historical account. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch, now we're not in Jerusalem now, we've moved to Antioch, certain prophets and teachers, this is naming 
the leaders of the church there in Antioch. Again, a church made up of just regular folks. Back then, there would have been merchants. There, there, would, there would have been, you know, uh, farmers, just all sorts of people back then, craftsmen. Think of regular folks. Now, these are the leaders of those regular folks. As Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manan, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. How significant was that? This quote says it all. The importance of the present narrative, what we just read, is that it describes the first piece of planned overseas mission carried out by representatives of a particular church rather than by solitary individuals and begun by a deliberate church decision inspired by the Spirit rather than somewhat more casually as a result of persecution. Those three verses describes one of the most important historical events in the history of the world and describes the fulfillment of the portion of the commission that says, go to the uttermost parts of the world. In Acts chapter 13, we have two men singled out to carry the gospel overseas. That's not to say, as that quote a while ago mentioned, that there might not have been other people that were traveling and may have shared the gospel. But this is different. This this is something strategic. This is a work of God through a local group of people. Now, you're living 2,000 years later. Why should it matter what happened in Acts chapter 13 in those first three verses? Some might think, that has no relevance to me. This isn't talking about me or my problems or my issues or my needs. Well, really, we're supposed to be a little beyond that point. You know, we all have needs, and we address those needs. We talk about family. We talk about marriage. We talk about fear. We talk about anxiety. We talk about depression. We have a whole series of, uh, of nights that we're going to be focusing on that. But that doesn't mean that this should not be equally important to you, what happened in Acts chapter 13. We should care about it because once you study it, you realize that missions is is the very heart of God. And missions is essential. Without us being obedient in the area of missions, people will die and go to hell without ever having even a chance of hearing the gospel. By us being involved in missions, put it in a positive light, by your understanding of the importance of missions and your commitment to missions, you're going to be part of saving people's souls. You're going to be a part of of lives being changed, of of families being changed, of, of, of cultures being changed. There's not a more significant, positive thing that can happen on the face of the earth that people get saved. 
and, and individuals be changed, and families be changed, and communities be changed, and nations be changed. Not just here in America, but that's important in Brazil, that's important in Spain, that's important in Russia, it's important everywhere. That being the case, Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3 are critically important. It shows us how missions are to be done. And I want us to look at those three verses this morning. Because we don't want to go... This is a great commission. This is a great command. And it's very important that we just don't start off willy-nilly. It's that, you know, I got an idea. I got an idea. I got an idea. Well, no, let's see how it's done in Scripture. And then let's do our dead-level best to make sure that that happens here at Myo Baptist Church. Three things. Number one, missions is done in and through the local church. Acts 13.1 begins, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch, a local congregation of believers. That is significant. Because that's talking about us too. A local congregation of believers. A group of people that back then talked a different language, dressed different than we do, The culture was far different than ours, but a church nonetheless like us. Moms and dads, kids, teenagers, people with problems, people with issues. It's to that congregation that missions began. It originated in the church at Antioch. Missions didn't originate in schools or universities. Missions didn't originate in the military. It didn't originate with the Kiwanis Club or the Moose Club or any other kind of civic organization. It didn't originate out in commerce. It didn't originate in the government. When it was time for missions, it started with a local congregation of believers. I like this quote. In one sense, the commission to missions was given to every individual Christian. But in another sense, it was given primarily to local churches. It was given, we have to remember that the church is the people. And everyone in the church at Antioch was to participate in missions. Everyone in that church was a part of the responsibility. And everyone there what would have been, should have been, highly motivated. When we talk about the church at Antioch and missions starting in the church at Antioch, we're talking about regular people, people just like you, people with jobs, people with needs, people with shortcomings, people that struggle. But those are the people that missions went to then, And we're the same group of people that missions are going to be commissioned through today. And understanding the wonderful privilege of that. Ordinary folks with the the privilege uh, uh, that the greatest achievement and accomplishment in your life will not be how big a house you live in, what kind of car you drive, how much money is in your account. But the greatest achievement of your life will be God using you to send someone across the world where somebody might be saved. It doesn't get any better than that. And to think that God would use regular people like you and me 
people in this room with different personalities, people in this room with different abilities and talents, people in this room with different backgrounds, people from different parts of the country. It's a church. That's how God works through the church. The the people in the church are the grassroots where the heart of missions grow. And that's what we learn. When we are introduced to organized mission work for the very first time in Acts chapter 13, it starts with the church. The church is the people. But the church is also, we see in uh, verse number 1, not only is it the people, just the name church, but leadership is important. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch, Certain prophets and teachers, and it goes on to name them, Barnabas, Simeon, uh, Lucius, Manan, and Saul, who of course is going to be the Apostle Paul. Now leadership is important in any church. Many churches emphasize missions and have a huge emphasis on missions as they should. But sadly, some churches, of which one I was a part they don't have the emphasis on missions that really they should. And it's incumbent, it's incumbent upon the leadership to give that emphasis, to make sure that we don't depart from that. I mean, if there's anything Satan wants, it's for people not to hear the gospel because he's out to get God and to get his children and to condemn their souls to hells forever. So if there's an area in which Satan's going to fight, it's going to be in keeping missions at a minimum or keeping it on the back burner and who is it has the responsibility to put it on the front burner? It's the leadership. <coughs> and such was the case here. These five leaders in the church were very sensitive, obviously, to the role of missions in the church. I like this quote. If our churches fail at missions, no matter what other good things we do, we will have failed in the unique mandate that Christ has given us as churches. So Acts chapter 13, it's not just some story we read about and say that was interesting. No, it's a model that we should be very interested in. And the first thing we learn from these three verses is that missions is done in and through the local church, through those laymen, and through the leaders. But secondly, we learn that missions is done at the direction of of the Holy Spirit. It's not just some feel-good thing that people do because it feels good. It feels good. It's not something that leadership should do because, I just feel guilty if we don't do it, and other pastors are going to ask how many missionaries we support. I don't want to look bad, so we have to support missions. No, we have to understand the significance of missions, that it is done at the direction of the Holy Spirit. I mean, our marching orders come from the top, from the very top. It doesn't come from ideas I have or ideas you have. And some ideas can be good, but ultimately when it comes to missions, this is, this is top priority. This is top shelf with the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Verse number 2, And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost... Not any of those five men named. Not any of the congregation. This is coming from headquarters, if you will. 
as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. This isn't some whim. This isn't some man-made campaign. This isn't some idea. These marching orders are coming all the way from the top. These leaders are good men. They're doing, the, Bible, the, the verses say they were doing ministry, they were fasting, and the Holy Ghost comes and singles out two of them for missionary work. He names them Paul and Barnabas. And it stands to reason that men that are already involved in ministry and men that are already fasting, those are the kinds of men that God is going to call to greater work. God doesn't call lazy people. God doesn't call people that are struggling with, you know, whether, are we going to church tonight? I don't know. What about you? No. It describes these men as involved in ministry. It describes them as fasting and praying. And they were doing the work of the Lord to begin with. And the Holy Ghost says, those are the kinds of men that I want to spread the gospel. And missions work is so important that we see here, it, it involves the direct leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. It, it was the Holy Ghost that picked these men. It was the Holy Ghost that directed these men. They're going to end up going to Cyprus there in the, in the Mediterranean Sea. The Holy Ghost is going to direct them. The Holy Ghost is going to direct them. And the direct intervention of the Holy Ghost speaks volumes about the importance of this work. This quote says, it is the ministry of the Holy Spirit working through the local church to equip and enlist believers to go forth and serve. Missions is done through the local church. Missions is done at the direction of the Holy Spirit. And that gives it an emphasis that is undeniable. And if it was important 2,000 years ago, It is for sure equally important today. Number three, we learn from this passage that missions is done through the spiritual efforts of men. And God's divine wisdom, he hasn't used angels. He hasn't used the animal kingdom. He hasn't used nature. He hasn't used things that we can't even imagine. He chooses to use men. In Acts chapter 13, verse number 3, And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. They, the people in that church, the other leaders in that church, The Holy Spirit picked and directed these men to be missionaries, but it was the entire church that got involved in sending them. The church was involved. It says they were fasting and praying, praying no doubt for protection, for success, for provision. They were laying their hands on him. That's just a formal commissioning by the church that everybody in the church recognizes by the laying of hands on these men, that these men are ordained of God to do this. It's not our doings. It's not our plan. Their laying of hands is that formal commissioning, acknowledging that God is at work here. And it says sending them away. (coughs) They probably didn't want these men to leave. 
They loved them. They were important leaders. But this undoubtedly is a mature church. And they knew it was God's will. And what we see is this involvement of everybody here. The fasting, the praying, the laying their hands on them, the sending them away, sending them with their blessings, encouraging them, providing for them, meeting their needs. God could have, in an isolated way, spoke to those men when they're away somewhere alone and said, okay, I want you to go. But no, it's in the church, under the leading of the Holy Spirit, with everybody else getting involved. There we see, using modern-day terminology, missions is a team sport. It's not an individual sport. It's a team sport. Listen to this quote. They were supported and sent by a specific congregation. As far as we know, they had never happened before in the history of the church. Certainly people went out as accidental missionaries, But there was never a concerted and organized effort to win people to Jesus like this. And please notice this. God did not call every person, every man, woman, and child at the church at Antioch to leave and go to a foreign land. He could have said, I want all of you to disperse. And some of you go to Spain, some of you go to Portugal, some of you go to England, whatever. No. He picked out two. And again, we learn something from that. There are those that God sends, and then there are those that send. And that's instrumental. That is basic. That is foundational to how missions works. I'm not going to try to put you on a guilt trip that every one of you ought to surrender to be a missionary to whatever, wherever, whenever. God doesn't call us all to do that. How do you know that? From this narrative. This is the pattern. God recorded this. And it's an example for us to follow. So he's going to call some, but he didn't call most. Some are called to go, and others are called to sin. So I can say declaratively, declaratively based on God's word, that if you haven't been called to go, that's okay. Now, maybe he will. Maybe through this series, there might be somebody in this room. Lord will speak to your heart. The Holy Spirit will speak to your heart. And you say, Pastor, I've been thinking about it, praying about it for a long time. And now I know God wants me to be a missionary. And we get behind you and we do everything we can to, to make that happen. The truth of the matter is, as was the case in Antioch, 99% of this congregation are not called by the Holy Spirit to go. You are not out of God's will unless you're not sending. You're not doing your part. Let's read a couple more quotes here. It is almost impossible to overstate the historical importance of this moment in Antioch and the history of the world. Before this word from the Holy Spirit, there seems to have been no organized mission of the church beyond the eastern seacoast of the Mediterranean. This moment of prayer and fasting resulted in a missions movement that would make Christianity the dominant religion of the Roman Empire within two and a half centuries and would yield billions of adherents of the Christian religion today with a Christian witness in virtually every country of the world. So what have we learned today in closing? Number one, missions is done in and through the local church. Missions is done through the direction of the Holy Spirit. That is significant in and of itself. Missions is done through the spiritual efforts of men. 
So why should you, if you've been one of those that's kind of, you know, missions, uh, man, what a bad Sunday for me to come to church. He's not dealing with anything of any importance to me. Oh, no, you could not be more wrong. You just haven't come to realize yet how missions relates to you and how important it is and how zealous you ought to be to learn about missions and become involved in missions. Because, number one, missions is a noble effort. It's very inspiring to participate in a cause worthy of self-sacrifice. It's a noble cause. And a noble cause would be one where good people sacrifice with really not expecting anything in return. We, we, we send missionaries overseas to win people. We'll never know problem, this, this side of heaven. There's something noble about that. There's, there's some, when someone understands the importance of it and sacrifices, that makes it a noble cause. Missions is also a critical effort. It's very humbling to know that your efforts will keep people out of hell. It's a critical effort. Number three, missions is a team effort. It's encouraging to partner with others for a noble cause. And lastly, missions is a rewarding effort. It's very gratifying to know you have been a participant in a totally selfless cause. So let me ask you a question this morning. Are you committed to missions? If so, how? What would you t- if, if I were just sitting with you across the table, we're drinking coffee, How? How are you committed to to missions? In what way? I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm I'm trying to inspire you this morning to know it it is worthy of of, of your involvement. It's a noble effort. It's a critical effort. It's a team effort. It's a rewarding effort. There is no endeavor on the face of the earth really more important than evangelism and missions. I say it a lot because there's a lot of important things that we do. I mean, you earning a living and trying to live a good life, that's important. So that's quite the statement for me to say there's nothing more important. But, folks, when it comes to people going to hell or not going to hell, and, and it's directly related to us, then there's no more important effort than that. What can you do? You can pray for missions. And you can give for missions, two missions. I'm going to show you in few weeks, how that people gave their tithe, and above their tithe, they gave for the cause of others that were far away, that would have no impact, no direct impact on them. You can pray for missions. You can give specifically to missions. You can serve like the ladies' missionary circle here at the church. You can get personally involved. You, you know, all missionaries come through and there might be one family, one individual that just really speaks to your heart and you just connect with them. And you write them, you encourage them, do little things for them whenever you're able to. There's all sorts of ways to get involved in this important and noble effort. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. As we stand, please. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Mile Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. 
You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.